Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Ask a Professional radio show with Phelps Health. I'm Kayla Marsala, co-hosting today's show with Paige Heitman. Good morning. Today, we are talking with Dr. Pecos Coble, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer and Internal Medicine Physician at Phelps Health. Welcome, Dr. Coble. Good morning. So it's clear from my introduction that you wear a lot of hats at Phelps Health. Can you tell us a little bit about your roles at the hospital? Well, first and foremost, I'm a physician. I do, mm-hmm. my practice is internal medicine. I do both outpatient and hospital medicine still. Uh, kind of old school in that respect. And in addition to that, I'm the chief medical officer for Phelps Health Medical Group. So I uh, help lead our some 120 odd physicians and other providers in our medical group. So what kind of led you to work at Phelps Health specifically? Well, I started here many years ago when I was still in the Army and mm-hmm. uh, started working part-time moonlighting at Phelps Health uh, back then and just basically fell in love with the area and decided that this was a place where I wanted to take care of my patients and I wanted to uh, live with my family. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of made this place home, haven't you? It is home, yes. Yeah, because you're originally from Texas, right? I am from Texas yes, originally. Yes, we won't hold it against you. That's right. <laughs> I, I am a Texan, born and bred. Uh, but he's been in Missouri long enough. We'll consider you a, a Missouri resident, I, I would say. I would say that is true, yes. yes absolutely. Yeah. So today we're talking about osteoarthritis. Um, give us just a brief rundown of what that means whenever we say osteoarthritis. Well, osteoarthritis is the most common form of arthritis that we deal with in healthcare. Uh, it is traditionally thought of as wear and tear of joints, uh, joints wearing mm-hmm. out essentially. And it, traditionally it was called degenerative joint disease. Mm-hmm. We now do now understand that there is an inflammatory component to osteoarthritis that does lead to this degeneration of joints. It is a low level inflammation that occurs over many years that deteriorates what what we sometimes refer to as the joint as an organ complex. The joint Mm -hmm. is made up of the bones, the cartilage, the synovium or the lining Mm -hmm. of the joint. And then of course the soft tissues, the muscles, Mm -hmm. tendons, ligaments that surround the joint. And so as these low level inflammatory properties take hold, it leads to that joint destruction that occurs over Mm -hmm. time. So that is that's a, a very overly technical description of a joint wearing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we also know that uh, uh, wear and tear uh, can, mm-hmm. of course, exacerbate or make this worse over time. So overuse or injuries mm-hmm. can contribute as well. So, Kayla, before you ask your next question, I have, I have kind of a follow-up question to that. So whenever we talk about osteoarthritis, arthritis in general, does this affect a very specific population? Does it affect everybody? Does it depend on your age? What does that look like? Well, most notably, osteoarthritis mm-hmm. occurs as we age. Uh, we, st- we certainly see it predominantly as people enter their fourth and fifth decades of life and, and they're on. There are rare subsets of mm-hmm. early-onset osteoarthritis that, that can occur. Otherwise, if it is in younger folks, it's traditionally due to injury or mm-hmm. some overuse type problem. Like uh, athletes, right? Like athletes, mm-hmm. injuries. Uh, I, when I was in the military, certainly saw a lot of osteoarthritis mm-hmm. and joint injuries. We call that secondary osteoarthritis mm-hmm. because of overuse uh, mm-hmm. uh, that can occur. Yeah. Depending on profession, athletes, again, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. would be one area. Where yeah, office like, jobs, probably not as much. <laughs> well, interesting that you say that because, Debunk of course, it. being sedentary can mm-hmm. actually make osteoarthritis worse as mm-hmm. well. Uh, that leads down the line towards what we talked about treatment. Mm-hmm. But, of course, having a healthy, active lifestyle 
is good for joints. It's good mm -hmm. for your whole body, mm -hmm. but it, it is good for joints to keep active and healthy. Mm -hmm. So what about gender? Are men or women more susceptible to osteoarthritis? There is a thought that women are somewhat more susceptible to osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. uh, I do, that's certainly true when it comes to hip and knees mm -hmm. uh, osteoarthritis, mm -hmm. uh, but millions of people have osteoarthritis, uh, and it really covers the gamut, you know, mm -hmm. and, and can be asymptomatic where you people have, they have it, but it doesn't bother them all, all the way to disabling arthritis that mm -hmm. it's probably, it's the most form, most common cause of disabling uh, mm -hmm. uh, lifestyles. So does everybody know when they have osteoarthritis or what are some of those big red flag warning signs that maybe somebody <laughs> should go and get checked out if they're having them? Well, as it develops, again, it could be asymptomatic, uh -huh. no symptoms at all, but it really starts with pain, mm -hmm. uh, uh, pain, uh, stiffness. That typically, stiffness, like in the morning or after you get out of a long car ride, you're stiff, but that stiffness typically lasts for only a few minutes mm -hmm. or less than 30 minutes is what we typically think of, mm -hmm. and it, it just goes away as you get up and move around, shake things off, if you will, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that's that's kind of the first symptoms. Loss of function would be the other. Mm -hmm. You can't bend as well. You can't uh, move as fast. Uh, have a harder time getting in and out mm -hmm. of chairs or or things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be what we think of as kind of the symptoms of osteoarthritis. Uh, swelling and noticeable changes or deformities of the mm -hmm. joints would be another thing that we might see over time. Of course, again, injuries mm -hmm. or feeling of instability such as knees and hips. Mm -hmm would also be something that some people may notice. Now, what about obesity? How does that affect our hips and joints whenever it comes to osteoarthritis? Well, so again, back to lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, obesity is, of course, not good mm -hmm. for joints because you're essentially putting more weight on those joints, and, and that leads to increased wear and tear. Again, it's that overuse thing. Of course, obesity is, is poor for health in general, mm -hmm. as we know. Uh, so we do encourage healthy lifestyle as part of the, actually, again, now we're leading mm -hmm. into the treatment, but as par part of the treatment of osteoarthritis, lifestyle is a big component of that. Whenever you say lifestyle, do you mean diet, exercise, both? What does that look like? So it, 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 it includes both of those, diet, controlling weight, mm -hmm. uh, a healthy exercise routine, mm -hmm. of course. Exercise can also lead to overuse, so yes. there has to be a balance there. You have mm -hmm. to find out what is the best, best exercise mm -hmm. for each individual. Uh, but, you know, uh, healthy diet, hydration is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Hydration, healthy diet, but maintaining hydration is very good for joints in general. Why uh, is that? Let's talk about that a little bit more. It's just good for your tissues. Mm -hmm. it, it helps, again, that synovial fluid in joints is, is sort of the the motor oil of the mm -hmm. joint, if you will. It keeps the joint lubed and helps those the cartilage between the joints mm -hmm. glide easier and smoother mm -hmm. and not break down as fast. When osteoarthritis starts to get worse, that cartilage between joints will deteriorate. That leads also to bone spurring. You've heard of mm -hmm. bone spurs yes. mm -hmm. around joints. Deterioration then of the synovium, that lining with that low level inflammation. Mm -hmm. And of course then the nerve endings that exist in these areas then lead to pain. Mm -hmm. um, people don't typically get red hot swollen joints with osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, we, we consider osteoarthritis to be air quotes non-inflammatory mm -hmm. um, when you compare it to such things as rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but there again is that 
low-level inflammatory component we think that does contribute mm -hmm. over the long course. So let's talk about some of the treatment options for osteoarthritis. If somebody comes in and has an appointment with you, what does that conversation look like and what are kind of the first steps that they can take to getting this under control? Well, the first steps obviously are the diagnosis mm -hmm. and uh, osteoarthritis is a initially is a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. In other words, there are no really no tests per se that we initially do. It's a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We can tell often what that can look like by exam, by history, mm -hmm. by uh, listening to our patients and what they tell us. Uh, imaging x-rays obviously mm -hmm. can also tell us uh, about osteoarthritis and can, and can show us if there is joint destruction there. Uh, otherwise, uh, when it comes to treatment, it, it really is indiv individualized to each and every person and what they're experiencing. We typically always try to start with non-medication or non-pharmacological -pharma approach, which again goes back to those lifestyle issues uh -huh. up front. Mm -hmm. I believe personally that patient education is a very big part of this. Mm -hmm. Just understanding what is wrong and then uh, putting those approaches in place from a lifestyle mm -hmm. perspective can be a big part of that. Beyond that, we, type, we, we typically talk about home exercise programs, uh, which is in line with physical therapy, yeah. uh, utilizing stretching and, uh, and exercise uh, can be very beneficial for the joints in general, mm -hmm. in addition to the rest of your health. Uh, we also talk about local care. So if, mm -hmm. if a joint is bothering you, let's say a knee, uh, then we can use local care such mm -hmm. as topical arthritis creams, mm -hmm. uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory creams uh, can be uh, very effective and is recommended these mm -hmm. days uh, and they are over the counter now. So uh, uh, one of those being Voltaren or Diclofenac mm -hmm. uh, uh, cream, which uh, is very effective uh, mm -hmm. in anti-inflammatory uh, properties. Um, but, but so we really try to start with a non-pharmacological approach and see if that will, uh, will benefit. Then we go to the medication approach. Mm -hmm. Tylenol for, for many years has been a first-line treatment for osteoarthritis. We now don't necessarily recommend it as first-line. I personally still believe if Tylenol works, I tell people to use it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it you know, and, it, and it goes, that goes to just about anything, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. If it works, I think it's okay, as long as it's not hurting you. Yes. But then it, it goes to over-the-counter anti-inflammatory agents, such as ibuprofen or naproxen, mm -hmm. your Motrin, Aleve, and then, of course, there are prescription non-steroidal non, uh, an, anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. therapies that can be beneficial. And these can be anywhere from as needed to daily use, mm -hmm. uh, uh, specifically. So that would really be the initial approach uh, mm -hmm. that we would take, non-medication and medication if indicated uh, initially. So, Dr. Coble, before we get into what some of those other options are, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you've been sharing with us. So, if people are experiencing what they think might be arthritis or osteoarthritis, should they keep a notebook of what's happening? Because one of the things you mentioned is you have a conversation with your patients about what's been happening over the course of a few months, a few years. Is it helpful um, for you as a, a physician and a provider to have that information from the patient about what they're dealing with day to day, if it takes them longer to get out of bed, if they go on a car ride and it takes them 30 minutes are those things that are important for you to know from a physician perspective oh absolutely I mean ob obtaining that history mm -hmm. of what's going on with uh, with with our patients is extremely important and I however they can get to that mm -hmm. if they need to keep notes if they need to keep a diary to help them understand or 
or help them remember how to describe mm -hmm. it, yeah, of course that's important. Mm -hmm. uh, if they don't need that, I don't, you know. Yes. Um, I mean, us physicians and other providers, we love it when our patients bring pages of notes mm -hmm. in to review. I'm, 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 uh -huh. kid I'm, I'm kidding. Yes, I know. <laughs> but no, it, no it, it, all, all kidding aside, it uh -huh. is, it, it, whatever helps a patient be able to mm -hmm. describe what's wrong is what I encourage. Yes, because that's helpful for the physician because if you come in and you can't describe what's going on, right. it, it makes it a really difficult conversation probably. Yeah, and this is part of that, what we call differential diagnosis, trying to sort out what may be wrong because mm -hmm. it may not be osteoarthritis. Mm -hmm. What if it is something else? That description and that history is mm -hmm. really the first and foremost most mm -hmm. important part of trying to sort that out. Mm -hmm. So could it be something else is what well, is always on our minds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So another follow-up question that I had is you mentioned education and I think that's really important for uh, patient empowerment, right? But what does education look like? What should patients be asking whenever they come in to meet with a physician? Uh, from your perspective, what have you kind of experienced and what would you encourage patients to do? Yeah, I, I think education is so important because I think half the battle often is just understanding what is wrong. Mm -hmm. I think if you have an understanding of what is wrong, it's then easier to face it and deal with it and know, okay, now we're moving forward. Here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So that just initial understanding of the diagnosis uh, is, I think, just absolutely very important mm -hmm. to that. Then moving forward, you know, the patient education, we, uh, in my clinic, we provide handouts and we give people mm -hmm. reading material, but it also describes, here's the things you can do. Mm -hmm. We know that uh, when somebody's sitting in my office and I'm telling them all the things I'm telling you guys today, yes. you're not going to walk out of here and remember all of it. Mm -hmm. So if you have something in writing, that helps, mm -hmm. uh, helps that ha recall and say, oh, here's what I can do in addition mm -hmm. to, to, uh, what I was, I remember I was told to do. Mm -hmm. So those, those type of education things are just very important. It also then takes you down the road to what can you expect? What is the mm -hmm. prognosis? What, what are long-term things that may be done or that I may experience, including mm -hmm. treatment, symptoms, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what you may see when you look at your hands or your knees mm -hmm. or whatever's involved. So all those things I think are really important to understanding what's going on. Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned is having that education as a follow-up because oftentimes in those uh, appointments, you you forget, like you said, and it's really difficult to remember, man, what were the 10 things Dr. Coble told me that I need to start today? I know it's never probably 10, but I want to make a plug for my chart because that is such a great opportunity because you can ask your physician follow-up questions if you forgot something maybe they said. If you're starting a new treatment and you have a question, you can follow up there as well. You can also in my chart see all of your um, physician's recommendations, his notes that he had for you. So that's a really great resource for our patients, like you said, to continue to empower themselves, educate themselves, it's a really great opportunity. Yeah, my, my chart, uh, for, for those of who, who, mm -hmm. who are not using or don't know about it, is a very nice way for communication. I, as a patient myself, I've mm -hmm. used it, and I, I'm learning how to use it better over time. Yes, you and me both. <laughs> I, it, 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 is, it is fairly easy to use, mm -hmm. I believe, but uh, yeah, we get messages on my chart from our patients mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Uh, in addition to phone calls and whatever to other type mm -hmm. of messaging modalities people use. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do, I, I think it's very important to have open lines of communication mm -hmm. uh, with our patients. And, and that does help with that follow-up, as you said, mm -hmm. that 
maybe I forgot or maybe I misunderstood mm-hmm. something and I'm going to shoot a message to my office mm-hmm. and, and ask that question. And I encourage that. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's nice to know that you guys are always within a, a text message or a phone call away. So as we talk about osteoarthritis, we have talked about basically everything um, besides surgery. So let's talk about surgery and what it would take to get to that step and what surgery actually looks like. So advanced treatment modalities mm-hmm. are available, obviously, with osteoarthritis as folks mm-hmm. develop worsening symptoms. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, as they have failed conservative management that I've already mm-hmm. discussed. And, and, and those advanced uh, management uh, modalities include injection therapies, which can be symptomatic, uh, can, cause, can, can allow for symptomatic improvement. Mm-hmm. So joint injections with steroids, which we don't like to do frequently. Uh, they don't fix the problem, but they can create some symptom improvement. So, and, and that can also be even uh, a good treatment modality for somebody who is not a candidate for surgery. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to surgeries, by and far, we know that knee and hip replacements for osteoarthritis are extremely successful. Really, can give people their life back in a lot of mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, ways uh, when when these these are, are done. And and nowadays, um, uh, these uh, joint replacement therapies mm-hmm. with surgery are very effective. Uh, people recover much faster than they did even just 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are low risk in general. Uh, and and people recover quickly and do well, uh, and and that certainly is a good option for mm-hmm. advanced osteoarthritis, especially hips and knees. We're now seeing total shoulders done, which is a little different, but mm-hmm. but but still can can be very similar when you when you consider mm-hmm. in the realm of advanced surgical treatments. So whenever we talk about being a good candidate for surgery, who is and is not a good candidate for this type of surgery? Well, good candidates obviously would obviously would be people who are mm-hmm. more healthy and who don't have advanced other health problems mm-hmm. like heart disease, lung disease. We still do these surgeries in those patients. We talked about obesity earlier. Mm-hmm. Obesity is, is, is something that does limit our options in, in a lot of areas, so we have to uh, look at that as a risk factor as well. Um, but uh, good candidates are typically those folks who are more who are mm-hmm. able to maintain their activity levels. But again, you know, nowadays uh, these procedures are relatively low risk and mm-hmm. just about anybody can potentially be a candidate. At the end of the day, some people just say no. They don't want to have, the, they don't want to go through a surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they are more satisfied with just maintaining a level of reasonable control of whatever the problem may mm-hmm. be. And that's what they opt for. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and then the next level of advanced therapy would be just basically your chronic pain management, which we really try mm-hmm. to avoid as long as possible, especially opioids. We don't mm-hmm. like to employ those type of uh, management techniques in, in, in osteoarthritis, but often it just it is something that we do do for some patients, mm-hmm. especially a, a subset that there's really no other option. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, when you get to the spine issues, injection therapies, uh, lumbar spine surgeries, mm-hmm things like that uh, can also be an option uh, for that management. And we can do all of those different types of management, starting from just having a conversation to surgery at Phelps Health, correct? Correct. Let's talk a little bit about um, all of the different services that Phelps Health offers and the types of things that you work with patients on as a physician. What is so unique about Phelps Health as far as being a rural hospital? Because I think there's a misnomer when people think about Phelps Health, and they don't think that we have the same types of services or that we can provide the same types of care that you would get in a larger metropolitan area. 
Yeah, for, for our area, and this is one of the things that actually had originally attracted me mm -hmm. to want to stay here, we are a very highly advanced, technically savvy, sophisticated mm -hmm. health system and medical center for, for, a, for a community our size. Mm -hmm. we, we have high-end treatment avail availabilities across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to osteoarthritis, really our orthopedic surgical uh, service line, mm -hmm. uh, they do excellent work. We have uh, lots and lots of folks who get joint replacements mm -hmm. and other um, uh, treatment modalities through our orthopedic surgeons. Mm -hmm. I mentioned injections. Yes. Uh, some of us in primary care do that as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, our, we have a lot of those type of uh, therapies we offer. Our pain clinic does what I call directed therapy, which is a mm -hmm. lot of injection therapies and pain management. So that is also an, uh, an available area. We have a very, very highly qualified physical medicine and rehab mm -hmm. uh, 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 department. Uh, that offers services along those lines. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to physical medicine and rehab, our physicians that do that. And then in addition, uh, our physical therapy and occupational therapy uh, departments do wonderful work with these, these patients who are dealing with these problems, trying to recover from surgery or injury uh, or whatever that may be. And then in addition to the mm -hmm. evaluations, the imaging, MRIs, CAT mm -hmm. scans, x-rays, really across the spectrum. We're a one-stop shop. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so we, we really can provide that level, mm -hmm. those levels of high-end care uh, in this realm for sure. Mm -hmm. So you had mentioned like physical medicine, pain clinic. Those are different departments within Phelps Health. If somebody is struggling with arthritis, osteoarthritis, any of those types of things, can they immediately just go into physical medicine or do they need to have an established primary care physician, um, maybe somebody from internal medicine like yourself? What does that process look like for patients? Well, typically I would recommend mm -hmm. that people seek out their primary care mm -hmm. uh, physician or provider, their uh, family doctor, their internal medicine specialist, or whatever, wherever that, whatever their mm -hmm. primary clinic is. That's where really this should start, the evaluation, and then the appropriate referrals. And, and, and our folks in primary care are excellent at knowing mm -hmm. how, to, how to direct our patients to the right areas, get the evaluations done, refer them where they need to be, whether it be orthopedic surgery, physical medicine and rehab, physical therapy, imaging, uh, again, laboratory evaluations mm -hmm. can be part of this as well. So yeah, our, our, it really starts with your primary care. Absolutely. So one more follow-up question for me. I know, sorry, Kayla, I've had lots of questions today, <laughs> is if a patient wants to schedule an appointment with you, Dr. Koble, um, how do they schedule that appointment? Uh, well, there's lots of ways. Mm -hmm. our, our, uh, our call center would be mm -hmm. probably one way that patients can seek out any primary care in, in our, mm -hmm. in our uh, health system. Mm -hmm. uh, individual clinics uh, mm -hmm. take phone calls, obviously. Uh, I have a very busy practice with two nurse practitioners. Mm -hmm. My partner, Dr. Hernandez, is, is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then across the spectrum, our primary care has grown over the last you know, 10 years. Our, prim mm -hmm. our primary care division has grown exponentially, and we just have some of the best physicians you could find. Fantastic. And our the rest of our providers as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Kayla actually goes to Dr. Hernandez. Yes, so. I do. Yeah. Yes, you, you've sold us. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla, did you have any other follow-up questions? I don't think I do. All right, awesome. Well, um, Dr. Koble, thank you so much for being here today. As always, it. you are a wealth of knowledge. Kayla, you want to wrap us up? Yes, uh, today we have been speaking with Dr. Pecos Koble, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Phelps Health. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org.